0: Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about this sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. I just have to say thank you all for for trusting me to be here today, and uh, thank you, Preston and Lisa, and I. you guys, they love you guys so much, and uh, they're they're always talking about how much they love all of the people who are part of their family, and um, I love, uh, we come here sometimes, Uh, I wanted to introduce you to my family, they're here, I have a picture of them as well, Um, this is them, and um, wow, that is a really big screen. Oh, my goodness. I was thinking, we have this one where we're, like, kind of posing like we're in a band or something. You know, we're all kind of in these cool... I thought that, oh, they'll they'll be too small, but that one probably would have worked, I think. <laughs> Anyways, they're all right here in the flesh. And uh, that was my Mother's Day gift today. Um, my kids, uh, they serve at different churches. Um, my, my son plays the drums. My girls help with the kids. Um, and uh, Zach is... Always at different churches, speaking and doing things like that. So, uh, my Mother's Day gift was I went all my family together at one church at one time. So, good gift, right? <laughs> good gift. Um, so, thank you, Preston, also for reading that 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 letter that you read. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it's it's challenging sometimes to to have a service all about moms when there's moms out there who fall under all the categories and and women who fall under all those categories and so I just want to honor all of the women in the room and and thank you for for reading that that was that was really really great. Thank you. Um, I know in the room. That everyone has a mom, but not everyone has a relationship with their mom or, uh, you know, even knows their mom. Uh, maybe you have a great relationship with your mom. But I um, wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about my mom. But before I do, I want to tell you what we're speaking about today. We're talking a little bit about grit. Anyone know any women with some grit? Anyone, a woman with grit? <laughs> Maybe you are one of those women. Point at a woman with grit in the room right now. Go ahead. Point at a woman with grit. All right. They, they are amongst us. We are amongst us. Yeah. So today we're talking a little bit about grit. And my mom, I have a relationship with my mom, and uh, she has grit, some serious grit. Um, I have a picture of my mom, if you want to, there, that's that's my mom and my dad. And so if you're looking at me, that makes more sense, but like when you look at my kids, like I have a blondie, and that that makes more sense, right, when you see there. So um, yeah, so this is my mom and dad, and when I was a girl, when I was young, and I lived with my parents, um, they opened up their home for pregnant teenagers. And um, what we did was we converted our garage into bedrooms and a bathroom, a living room, and uh, we parked outside, <gasps> and um, <laughs> the, the teenagers and young women who had no place to live when they got pregnant would come and live with us. How many of you know that would take some serious grit? Okay, opening up. So um, the most people we ever had living at our house at one time was 17 people, and uh, yeah. Um, I am the middle of three girls. And my older cousin, whose uh, mother was in prison at the time, uh, was living with us as well. So we had a, we had a, we had a family, and uh, we had all these women living with us, and they're all either pregnant or just had their babies, and and um, uh, all different sorts of women. Different situations, all the different reasons that they came to live with us. It, I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on one main reason why someone would have to come and live with us. But we had all kinds of women. And there was this one uh, lady who lived with us, and her name was Lori. Lori. Lori had a little boy named Sammy, and then she was pregnant with another girl, and she had no place to live. So she came, and she lived with us, and she suffered from schizophrenia. So, um, and anyone who knows about that uh, knows what a challenge it is to either have it or to live with someone who has it. And, um, but Lori, Lori was a, a powerful woman. And um, we had another uh, gal who lived with us um, at the same time as Lori, and her name was Colleen. So Colleen was um, pregnant, and she uh, was uh, I don't really know quite how to describe her. She was very, very pregnant. And my mother, I don't, she's very pregnant and very, you know, that comes with things. And um, she, my, So my mom had to, I mean, I don't want to go into the whole details because there's a lot of details, but my mom had to ask her to leave, had to ask her to move out. Well, at the time, we had um, a set of twins that were just born, and um, we had the son of uh, Lori, Sammy, and then one other baby at the house, and me and my younger sister were at the house, and my mom had to leave to go pick up another one of the young ladies who was trying to complete school and my other sister. So my mom leaves. My dad's at work. My mom leaves, um, me me and my younger sister, and four babies with Lori, who is uh, a schizophrenic, and Colleen, who she just asked to move out. This sounds like a recipe for disaster, doesn't it? <laughs> so she, she leaves us with them, and Colleen uh, starts running around the house, pulling her hair out, and screaming, and just kind of going going nuts, and she runs into the kitchen, finds a butcher knife, and she starts to um, uh, stab at her stomach because she wants to kill her baby. And my sister, my younger sister and I, I was 11, she was 10 at the time, we're standing in the kitchen, and Colleen looks up at us and says, you did this to me. And she starts running at us full speed with the butcher knife. Um, That's a moment right there. (laughs) That's a moment that you never forget. And I grew up with these women, and um, some of them are a little bit scandalous, some of these women. Anybody know any women, or not even just women, really, just people in your lives who are just scandalous? Anybody have any scandalous people in their family? Maybe they're in in your history, maybe your ancestry. Anybody have any scandalous, anyone know anyone scandalous Okay, You've come across them. <laughs> well, um, I'm not the only one who's interacted with scandalous people, and I will tell you that even Jesus Christ himself had some scandalous people in his past. So I'm going to actually show a scripture that you guys may have never even heard a sermon on before. And um, you will see, it's, a lot, it's gonna be a lot of words. It is the genealogy of Jesus. Okay, anybody, genealogy is really, really interesting, right? You guys were hoping to hear a genealogy today. I'm sure, I'm sure. So I wanted to um, just kind of uh, read this. Um, so this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Okay, so it, so it continues, right? There's a lot of names in there. Okay, so you notice there, though, that I have bolded a couple of those there. And it actually continues. So you can see whose mother was Tamar, whose mother was Rahab, whose mother was Ruth. You can go to the next slide. Um, we've got whose mother has, had been Uriah's wife. And then it goes on and on and on. There's Ammon, there's Josiah. There's, okay, so then there's the exile. And then you can go on to the next one. And then it goes on and on and on, Zerubbabel, and then Mary was the mother of Jesus. Okay, so anyone notice the commonality of of what I underlined? All the women, yeah. So I I will tell you this, uh, during this time, it was very, very, very uncommon to put women in a genealogy. But there are five women in Jesus's genealogy. Five women are called out. And I will tell you, Sarah's not called out. And um, the, the ones that you think, Rebecca, Rebecca's not called out, these aren't called out. The ones who are called out are the scandalous ones, the ones that had scandals surrounding them. So why do you think that the scandalous women were called out in Jesus's genealogy? It doesn't really make sense, and in, in fact, I, it makes, makes me wonder what does their presence even imply. But I want to just pull them up here. If you want to just go ahead and move on, um, you can see uh, it was Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Uriah's wife. Does anyone know who Uriah's wife was? Bathsheba. Yeah, very good. And then, and then um, Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. Okay, so those, these are the five women that are listed. They're the only five women listed in the genealogy. And they've all got scandals surrounding them. So why don't you just go ahead and pull it up, and we'll just kind of look a little bit at the scandal. So Tamara was a prostitute. Rahab was a harlot. Ruth was an illegal alien. She was also an orphan. Bathsheba was an adulteress, and she lost her first baby. And Mary was a pregnant, unmarried teenager. A little bit of scandal in the history of Jesus, right? And so what I wanted to do, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of story behind all five of these women, and, and if you are curious or interested and you wanna go a little bit deeper into any of these women, you're absolutely welcome to. But I just wanted to touch on one of them. So we're gonna talk about the very first one, so Tamar. And um, up on the screen, we're gonna talk a little bit through, um, who she is, because some of you might not know who Tamar is. So in the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son to marry a young woman named Tamar. So has anyone ever heard the name Judah before? He is like the lion of Judah, you know, that like the lion of Jesus comes from Judah. It's like a very, um, He's he's a very, like a father, a like foundation of faith. And so when we, when we see Judah, we're like, oh, this is going to be a good story. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, so we're going to talk through this. I want to explain to you what happens here. So he arranges uh, for his son to marry Tamar, but he was wicked, so God kills him. Just like that. So like, man, poor Tamar, right? Um, so um, the way the... Uh, the, the Bible worked was that if, if a man and a woman get married and then they don't have kids, in order to carry on the man's line, then she now has to marry the brother, the younger brother, if he's not already married, um, and then produce offspring under the first guy's name. So that's what he says. Okay, so that's what happens. You have to produce an heir for your brother, Onan. So um, on the next slide, you can see here, Onan, he's not willing. He is not willing to have a child who wouldn't be his own heir. Can anyone relate to that? Like, I don't get to even call this kid my own. Um, Yeah, so uh, it's probably really hard to relate, because we don't even do this kind of stuff now. and um, there's some details here. And I forgot to tell you, it's a little bit of a PG-13 uh, uh, message today. So, um, yeah, so there's some stuff that happens here. Um, I will tell you that apparently God is not a huge fan in this time of the rhythm method. So, um, but, uh, but uh, Onan here, he was trying that out on Tamar and that made God upset. So what happens the Lord takes his life too. Tamar, poor Tamar, okay? She's like, I mean, I I don't know. I don't even know how to uh, put myself in her shoes. Um, But uh, on the next slide, you can see that uh, Judah says, look, I've got a third kid, but he's too young for you. So you wait, you go move back home and you wait. Okay. And when my, when my third kid grows up, then you actually can marry him and he will give you children. Yes. And you, anyone else like excited for her, like super excited for her? Well, this is the promise that, that he's given to her. Judas given her this promise. And, um, it's interesting because she goes back to live with her father's home and uh, Sheila grows up. And uh, on the next slide, you can see here that um, right at the top, he grows up, but Judah doesn't call her over to give her to him as a wife. And so she's like, wait a second. Wait a gosh darn second here. I was supposed to have kids with Shayla and he's grown up. And here I am alone, not married to Shayla. So she's like, I'm going to take some stuff into my own hands. She was broken. She was rejected. She was forgotten and she had no kids. And so she's like, forget this. I mean, this woman talk about grit. She's like, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to get that kid. I'm going to continue that line. Because that's what was promised me. So many of you know the story. Some of you don't. So I'm going to tell you what she does. So she um, goes and dresses up like a prostitute. And she sits at the temple. And uh, Judah, dad, dad dad-in-law notices her, and says, hey, um, can I have sex with you? I know we just met, but we're going to talk about sex today. Oh, it's a little awkward. I'm sorry. <laughs> so he says, can I, can I, you know, and she's like, um, well, well, how are you going to pay me, you know? And he, see, the thing is, she had her face covered, and so he didn't recognize her. He didn't know it was his daughter-in-law, because heaven forbid. I don't know. There's just some incongruence in the story here, because like heaven forbid, yeah, no. There's a lot of things wrong here, but I will tell you, he he does have some kind of scruples. He will not. He wouldn't have slept with his daughter-in-law. My goodness. So, um, so she says. She says um, on the next slide. Um, well, he, she asks him, "What do you give me?" You know, and he's like trying to offer a goat. And I mean, how bad does it have to be for you to prostitute yourself for a goat? I mean, she's in a really, really, really bad place. And so he says, what kind of guarantee do you want? So she basically asks him for his identification seal and its cord and the walking stick. So it's similar to like if you were to give someone your uh, driver's license or your social security card or your, your car keys, like it's identifiable to you, something that like the people who know you, wouldn't recognize it or you would recognize it if someone were holding on to it. And so um, she, she says, I'll take those things. And he's like, okay, well, I'll trade uh, later. And so he gives them to her and he they have sex and she gets pregnant. So finally she's pregnant. She's like, I'm finally pregnant. And um, it, it's interesting um, because... Uh, you know, and, and this, there's, they had some really interesting practices um, in this time period, and it's very cultural. And if you're curious about that, you can uh, do some studying. Um, but I will tell you that um, when Judah finds out that she's pregnant, and you can see on the next slide, that um, it's about three months later, so she's starting to show. And Judah's told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute. And because of this, she's pregnant. So at this point, Judah has no idea that the kid is his. He can't. And, and and I mean, he's like, at that time, it's like, let's kill her. So they drag her out. And you can see um, it, it'll pop up on the next one. They drag her out, and they want to kill her. And Judah, Judah, he's the one. I mean, she's... She's his daughter-in-law. She's supposed to carry on his line. And here he is, like, with pitchforks and fires, and they want to kill her. But now they're taking her out, and she says, wait a minute. She pulls out of her. Look what I got. She's got his driver's license. The one whose this belongs to is the father. And she presents to everyone. And so now Judah, everyone knows. And he admits, wow, I really messed up here. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks, Judah. <laughs> Captain Obvious. He can't sing Billie Jean's Not My Lover, OK? Because at this point, uh, we know, and he, she's got his stuff. Never exchanged it for that goat, OK? So she's still got it. She pulls it out. And Judah, he basically had to say sorry. And she had twins. And as you know, she was one of the great, 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 great grandmothers in the line of Jesus. We talked a lot about Tamar and her story. Her story is about grit. Her story is about Perseverance is about rising from your circumstances. And Many of us have a story, just like one of these women. And on the next slide, I want to remind you who the women were. These women are just like us. They're scandalous, but they're ordinary. They're tarnished. They're very, very unlikely to shape the course of history. Rahab, she had to sell herself just to take care of her family. I mean, talk about a woman who's ready to do anything for her family. Maybe some of you feel like Tamar. Maybe you feel taken advantage of. Maybe you've been used sexually. Maybe you've done some things that you're not proud of. Maybe you're like Ruth. Maybe you were an orphan. Or maybe you had to move to a strange land just to feel like you belong. Maybe you're like Bathsheba, an adulteress. Maybe you've lost your first child. Maybe you're like Mary. Maybe you're a virgin, done everything right. Or maybe you're a single mom. but it's not just the women who find themselves in circumstances where you have to have grit. It's not just the women. It's the discarded. It's the used. It's the exploited, the ashamed, the alone, the unwanted. But these women who are included in Jesus' genealogy, they give us hope. And they represent the kind of people that Jesus came to save. You see, what we see in this is that Jesus himself came from a line of messed up people. But he did it to save a bunch of messed up people. That's why we focus on these women. That's why they call them out. Because although he came from messed up people to save messed up people, he himself was perfect. It takes a lot of grit to follow Jesus. I say it's a lot harder to not follow him because Jesus Christ gives our lives meaning. And if you're in this room and you have something in your past or something in your present, something that's holding you back, something that's telling you you're not good enough because of this or that, I want to tell you it doesn't matter. Not because what happened doesn't matter, but because Christ makes us worth something. Christ can give your life meaning. And He wants you to live in His promise of taking the past and making it perfect through him. See, God's calling us to put our hands, our lives into his hands. If you could just stand up with me, please. You see, God offers significance as we follow him. And we may actually never know the worth of our lives and our existence and the pain we've suffered until long into eternity. But Christ gives our lives meaning. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for calling out these five women Thank you for showing us that you see us and you love us. Thank you for showing us that no matter what we've done, no matter what we've had to do, no matter what's been done to us, that you can give us meaning and that you can give us purpose. We thank you that you sent your son jesus to come through a line of imperfect people to save us god i pray that you would begin to stern our hearts tonight to draw the things out that are holding us back from living a full life in you lord you've called us to things And there are people in this room that don't feel good enough, that don't feel worth enough, that have desires that have been unmet, that have been discarded, that have been looked over, that have been forgotten. But God, let them know right now that you see them and that you love them and that you can create beauty from the ashes of their life. Thank you, God, for this promise. We love you, Lord.